ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Everyone, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans, the live streaming podcast where your favorite hosts bring some of the most interesting headlines of the week to you and to our panel to discuss. Then we'll ask the question, is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? And of course, we always try to have fun with some shenanigans of our own along the way. My name is Neil Nix, and we have an awesome show for you today. The Olympics are here. And for the next two weeks, we've got some former Olympians coming on to share their experiences and their thoughts on the Tokyo Olympics. This week, it's Yvonne Wade, who was an Olympic hurdler in the 1996 and 2000 Olympics. We'll ask her thoughts on Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, this year's track and field stars, and of course, reminisce on her Olympic experience. Later in the show, Lizzie is talking about Saturday Night Live comedian Michael Che's alleged jokes about Simone Biles. Rob B wants to talk about the fertility doctor in Canada using his own sperm. And Gianni Storm is all about Disney. Well, Disney being sued by Scarlett Johansson with maybe a few more lawsuits to come. As always, we'll start with a quickfire question and end with Shenanigans the Game Show. But before we get into the show, please let me introduce you to our lovely host for today's show, the professor, journalist, editor, and sports intern mentor, Miss Lizzie Enders. What's up? What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. Happy August. Happy August. Today is August 1st. Oh, yeah. It is August so it's getting 1st. even more hotter in these streets. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys. Is that, is that, are is that grammatically correct? More hotter? I know. Well, Lizzie, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, listen, you should talk about being grammatically correct. Don't make me be at the top of the show, brother. Oof. Don't make me start off. Oof. Anyway, hopefully you all are sitting down, cool, chilling with the AC, with a nice glass of water. Cool water. I have water Ooh. today, people. Um, and then hopefully you had a good week. You had a good July. And that you have good things to come, good plans for August. All right. And our gamer, tech guru, and bona fide rock star with the rock band Fallen Machine coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Robbie Rock. What's up? What's up? It's, uh, you know what? It's been nice and chill here. It's been cooler kind of summer days, but it's been enjoyable. So just kicking around the yard, having fun, having raccoons crashing stuff on our deck in the middle of the night. You know, typical Northern Ontario stuff. <laughs> Regular day. Ontario. <laughs> Trash pandas. <laughs> All right. And our model, Cute. actress, college student, and the co-host of TLS Unscripted, Miss Gianni Storm. Hey, guys. Happy Sunday, fun day. And like Liz said, happy August 1st. Happy Leo season. And um, things are busy around here. I'm moving soon. I'm staying in Atlanta, but I'm, I'm moving from the hood. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be in a, yes, exactly, and I'm gonna be in a nice place and um, somewhere for Sasha to have more, more space, my dog. So, yeah, That's good. That's okay. awesome. 
Now, now, Gianni, you had another fun episode of Unscripted on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Tell everyone what you talked about and when they can find the next episode. So last Wednesday, Olivia E., the co-host of Unscripted, we did a Wednesday random knockout. So we just we had like, I think, four topics that we just um, randomly talked about throughout the week that we had on our mind and our heart. And yeah, it was fun. You guys can check us out on Instagram, TikTok, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard at TLS Live Show. And always, you can find the podcast at TLSshow.com. All right, let's get into our show with a quick fire question. All right, earlier in the week, actors Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher said on the podcast, Armchair Expert, that they only bathe their children when they, quote, see the dirt. <laughs> they also say they don't regularly shower themselves, often only washing their faces, armpits, and crotch areas. So what are your <laughs> thoughts on rare baths? Let's start with Gianni Storm. Um, three baths a day will make the world a better place. A day? <laughs> All right. Robbie Rock. <laughs> the ancient Greek scholar Archimedes invented soap because Eureka. <laughs> Eureka. <laughs> Lizzie. Robbie. Wash your ass uh, every day, people. Wash your ass every day, people. I just wonder how many people every complain day. when uh, when they stink on set. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah. All right. So Mila said you- she grew up without hot water, so it was not unusual to not bathe. And if you Google how often you should bathe, most experts say on average three to four times a week is plenty. And also suggest shorter showers because excessive showers yeah. and baths yeah. strip your skin of vital oils and protective bacteria. That's kind of true. Yeah, that's kind of true. That's so, why black folks use lotion. That's why we use <laughs> lotion and baby oil, people. You, <laughs> no, no, no ashiness over here. No ashiness over here. <laughs> but it's like the chemicals in water, unless you have like filtered water. I don't know how you guys are living. But it's like the water is is drying. It's like the iron dries out your skin. So I can kind of see why they would want to take four baths, but a week? Three to four a week is what an expert suggests. But Ashton and Mila are not taking three to four a week. Yeah, they're not taking three to four a week. They barely get in once a week from what they were talking about. Yeah, Yeah, they're barely doing that. I don't know. I just... I just, and I think um, one of our, my sister, one of our um, viewers, Jacqueline Robinson, she brought up this point when we posted this on our Facebook page. It's fine. You know, you parent your kids the way you want to parent your kids, but why would you put this information out there publicly about your children so they could be Mm -hmm. ridiculed? Like if my kids were friends with their kids, I probably would know already that they were stanking, but they certainly (laughs) wouldn't be coming to me. Like, no, we're not doing that. We're not bringing this bad hygiene into my house during the pandemic. Because, you know, if they're not making or forcing their kids to take baths regularly, those kids aren't washing those hands either. And I'm not sure about any of you here on the panel, but I mean, aside from my parents calling me Elizabeth every day, I probably could have thought my name was, did you wash your hands? Every single day (laughs) from outside into the house. The first, even before they said, hello, did you wash your hands? Did you wash your hands? And my mom, she never believed us when we said, yeah, well, go wash them again. 
Well, go wash them again. Like you, wash we them again. always had to wash our hands. We always mm. had to bathe ourselves. My brothers used to get, you know, boys sometimes, fellas, when y'all mm. are younger, y'all don't like to bathe or wash up very often. My mom used to, like, my brothers <laughs> would get in trouble. They would get punished. My brother used to get slapped, and I'm not advocating for any violence. But my mom was very strict about about (laughs) washing yourself. There was no funkiness up in our house. Mm -mm. Dr. Mom says, trifling, of course. They, the adults, uh, wash their faces often since their faces are what they rely on for their acting jobs. Olivia says, dirty, Mm -hmm. dirty, dirty. If If you're alive, you're in the elements, and it's dirty. How do you even pray if you're dirty? How do you even pray if you're dirty? Okay. Um, and you know, as women, as women, we as women, we need to be, you know, <laughs> keeping up with our cleanliness, especially certain times of the month. So, yeah. you know, let's not That's- let's not perpetuate this idea that we could just walk around stank all the time. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Fred Hargrove mm. says, "Let's put those natural oils to work." <laughs> I got some natural oils. It's called Johnson and Johnson baby oil. It's called Nivea. I got all kinds of lotions up in here. (laughs) And Ernest Cooper says hooker showers ain't going to cut it if you work out every day. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I mean, if you're working out every day, you can. I don't know. I I, I, I mean, I think like sometimes you have a lazy Saturday and you sit around doing nothing all day. It's okay not to take a shower that day. But if you're working out, you're in the mud, you're working outside, shower. Take a damn shower. Yeah, Especially your kids. I'm sorry. Kids get into everything. Kids are active. They're sticky. They're dirty. They're grimy. They're sweaty. Kids need to be bathed damn near daily if you have access to it. That's, yeah. 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 All right. That's enough of that. That's enough of that. All right. Great quick fire discussion. Uh, we'll get to some more headlines from our host a little bit later in the show, but right now it's time to bring in our spotlight guest. Our spotlight is on two-time Olympian Yvonne Wade. Hey, Yvonne, welcome to the show. Welcome to the hey, show. Hey, All right. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> so let me quickly introduce you to our audience. Yvonne is a retired track and field hurdler specializing in the high hurdles. As an Olympian, she represented Japan in both the 1996 and 2000 Summer Olympics. She was born in Tokyo to a Japanese mother and a Jamaican father, Jamaican-American father, but grew up in Sacramento, California. And as a hurdler, she has personal best of 13 seconds in the 100-meter hurdles, which was in 2000, and 8.12 seconds in the indoor 60-meter hurdles in 1999. She recently retired as head coach and director of the track and field and cross-country programs for the highly successful UNLV Rebels at the University of Las Vegas. She is married to Larry Wade, another former professional hurdler, and she has two sons, Jordan and Brandon. So, Yvonne, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now, I'm not sure <laughs> that short bio does your career justice because there was a lot more in your bio that I could have added. So I wanted to give you a little yeah. time to tell us more about yourself uh, so we can, and so we can really get to know you. I just want to ask, can you just tell us something, anything that people can't Google about you? Ah, that people cannot Google about me. 
Okay, this is a fun fact, I guess, fun, funny fact, so don't repeat it anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love to dance. My first uh, sport was actually gymnastics. Oh, wow. And so I came, I'm I'm 5'9 now, so um, got too tall for the event and used to compete, and they had to pull the mats underneath I'd pull the mats out from underneath the the events because I my toes would hit the ground. Um, yeah. I was so big. And, gym, oh, wow. and being a gymnast, they also love to dance. And so I, I call myself a semi professional dancer. And Liz might know of Black Gold, <laughs> but I was on the Black Gold team at CU for a year. <laughs> What's Black Gold? What's Black Gold, Liz? It was a dance crew, I oh, guess. Dance crew. Oh, nice. Formed. Yeah. All right. Um, but later on in life, I, I was at a, a event. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll say it. I was at a bar <laughs> with some friends. <laughs> and we had a, um, a, a little dance contest of sorts. And the young girls were up there dancing, trying to win a $100 prize. And it was wintertime. So I had long pants on and a turtleneck. And I was just kind of floored at, you know, the uh, the level of dance ability up there. So I decided to jump up there with my <laughs> jeans on, turtleneck. <laughs> And I won the hundred dollars. Oh, wow! <laughs> so, you had to let them know. Nice. You had to let them know. <laughs> I had to let them know. <laughs> All right. So, I'll find that on Google. <laughs> so, was there anything else you wanted to add, or? Um. Uh, well, no. Did I, I miss I, anything I, off your bio? I might have missed something. No, been a coach for twenty-two years, and decided to put the the stopwatch up this year and um, transition to other things. And I'm still going to stay in athletics and got a administrative job at our local junior college here. So I'm excited to help um, that athletic department grow and um, help young coaches, you know, have a successful career. That's fantastic. I'm actually going to turn things over to our sports correspondent, uh, Lizzie. So for the next few questions. Sports correspondent and fellow CU buff. So Yvonne and I went to the University of Colorado together. So Um, couldn't find my CU buff shirt today. Otherwise, I would have had it on. Um, But again, thank you for joining us, Yvonne. Uh, Hold on one thing. I just want to I want to point out uh, Jacqueline Robinson says, sounds like you were in the middle of Rhythmless Nation. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I I was, I was, <laughs> was was this Yvonne, was that a bar in Boulder? No, it was in Sacramento. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say because if it was in Boulder, then I can understand the rhythmless nation. I can understand <laughs> right, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> um but yeah, so Yvonne and I went to college together. Um she was on the track team. Now I think when I was there, it was still when you were there, it was still the big eight, right? The big yes. eight conference? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember, you know, there was like a track click, you know, so Yvonne was like the head hurdler, the head female track athlete um, for not for cross, because you weren't cross country. She was stri- strictly no. sprinter, sprint. Um, so what did you think when you were at CU Boulder, right? Did you envision an Olympic career? Like what, did, how did that process come about mm. for you? Yeah, absolutely not. I actually, um, you know, I, I, my, my, Track career was really short. I only ran one year in high school. Um, and so didn't get many college offers coming out of high school because nobody knew I existed. Um, and Colorado had recruited me, uh, late in the game in the summertime. I took a visit to Boulder and it was nice and sunny and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that was the furthest, um, campus away from Sacramento, California that had recruited me. And I had a couple of sa- other Sacramento uh, athletes going there at the time. So I decided to be a, com- a Buffalo and got to Colorado mm-hmm. with really limited col- um, track and field experience. So 
everything that I did, you know, my, my coach then, Yo-Yo, Yolanda Johnson Hall now, um, you know, developed me into a pretty phenomenal college hurdler and um, made an Olympic team for Japan. And that was purely by accident too, you know, my senior year in college. So that was kind of cool. Wow. So how did you choose hurdles versus just regular sprint? Well, like I said before, I was a gymnast slash dancer, you know, so that seemed like the most natural transition. You know, I used to leap over things all the time and those, you know, slow leaps are slower and more graceful. So I figured that would be a good, good uh, move for me. And it, at first it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't terrible. <laughs> but I really got some private coaching on the side and, and got to be one of the, of the best out there. And so then how did the opportunity to represent Japan come about? Like Neo said, you were born in Japan. Um, your mother is Japanese and, but you lived in the United States. You lived in San Clemente. So how did that transition come about? Yeah. So I got recruited to Colorado. Um, obviously they had no idea I was Japanese at all. Um, just recruited a high school kid out of Sacramento. My junior year in college, uh, we had some kind of NCAA violation or something. So we weren't allowed to go to the NCAA. So our coaches had suggested that we go to the USA championships. And I was like, hmm, I don't think I can go because I'm not American. And they looked at me like, what? What do you mean you're not American? I was like, I'm Japanese. And I you know, showed them my my passport and my, <laughs> my green card. And, and uh, coincidentally, we had a Japanese high jump coach there at the time, um, Hideshi Okamoto. And he suggested that I, I go and jump in the Japanese national championships my junior year. And I did, and I won. And then that kind of started the whole process of me representing my country. It's amazing. That's really and cool. so then right after that, did you go to Japan to compete or did, how did that work out? Yeah. So I actually was going to Japan anyway to visit my family. We had scheduled a family trip to my mom's family was all in Japan. So, um, he found out I was going and he's like, I'm going to throw you in this meet over there. You know, I'm going to sign you up for this competition wow. while you're there. Go run. And I did. <laughs> and I won. And then lo and behold, it was the national championships. So that was my first <laughs> win. And they're like, who's this black girl jumping in the Japanese? <laughs> so before there was wow. a Naomi Osaka, there was an Yvonne Wade. You know? There we go. There, we go. <laughs> right. there you go. There you go. So, so, so is your, is your way, current... Is your current citizenship in Japan as well? Still, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And so that that brings up a good segue to Naomi, Naomi Osaka because initially she had dual citizenship. But I think per Japanese law, she had to decide once she was 21. And so she chose Japan, which had been representing her and funding her and sponsoring her from the beginning of her tennis career. Um, mm -hmm. the United States lost out on that one because the USTA didn't really pick up on her until it was too late. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But then came up and she, it was announced that she would be representing Japan at the Olympics for people who had no, you know, background or information or familiarity with her career. Black people specifically, Americans specifically were shocked. And they were calling her a traitor or whatever, what have you. So did you feel any of that pressure when you represented Japan in the Olympics? Um, not, I, w I wouldn't call it pressure. I think it was an uncomfortable space for a lot of people that, you know, there's other countries. You see French, black Frenchmen and black Canadians and black, you know, Europeans, but black Japanese was kind of rare. Um, but coming more, uh, 
normal, I guess, um, as we go along. I didn't, you know, pressure, I wouldn't say pressure. I think a lot of people ask me, you know, like, do you took the easy way out? You took for track and field, you know, US is a very dominant sport. Um, and they just assumed I, I chose Japan because it was an easier way to get to the Olympics. But I was always a Japanese citizen. I've always had my uh, Japanese passport and my green card have been a um, resident alien of this country. I pay pa- I pay taxes, <laughs> but it, wasn't, uh, it was never an opportunity for me to choose one or the other, you know? So my family is in Japan um, and that's just how it rolled for me. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Rob, you got any questions? Um, Two-part question, actually. Um, I'm curious what your measure of success was as a competitor, and did that measure of success change when you transitioned into coaching and directing programs? I would say no, it did not change. So my measure of success when I was an athlete um, but just to get better every day, you know, like I said, my, my length, my tenure as a track athlete was very short. So I wasn't really familiar with, you know, who was, who's who of track and field and who I needed to go after and who, you know, was the one to beat and who were the gold medalists before me. And, um, you know, it just wasn't that kind of pressure in my evolution of the sport. So for me, you know, my mom always told me, you just get up every day and work hard and, and be better than you were the day before. And I was talented enough, um, you know, to get to that level. Had I maybe been more into it, you know, and, and known who, who's who of track and field were and, and focus, I think yeah. I, I could have some, done some real damage. Um, but I think right. it saved me mentally, you know, um, not mm. to have that pressure on mm-hmm. and, and yeah. kind of just you know for the love of the sport and you know as a coach former coach and you know mentor of young people um you know that's that's what i live by just get better you know you just you're you start at a certain level and your goal is to evolve one day at a time you know and some days aren't going to be good it's not going to be easy you're going to have some hard days you're going to have some rough times um but at the end of it you're going to come out stronger and and faster and 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 get your goals accomplished so there's a question online yeah. real quick before Robbie continues. Uh, Mike Winter wants to know, do you speak Japanese? I did. <laughs> I don't use it very often. Um, so it's very bad. <laughs> but I can understand it. I can, I can pick up a conversation and, um, you know, listen to what other people are saying. It was a funny story. I was in Japan one time and my mom had taken me to, um, you know, sightsee and we ended up swimming in uh, some lake or river somewhere. and. Um, and I was young and I had a tan, you know, obviously I'm uh, darker than most <laughs> Japanese people, so, you know, people are looking at me and like, oh my gosh, she's, she must be from, you know, she's American or she's this. And they're, you know, making comments about my long legs and my, my then thin body, <laughs> um, you know, and then I turned around and I responded to them in Japanese and they're like, oh, sorry. We're so sorry. <laughs> oh, I love that. It was, it was cool being able that. to do that, but not so much anymore. Yeah. I haven't practiced very much so yeah i have a follow-up question <laughs> after your story so do you did you as far as discrimination as a as a black woman as well did you feel discrimination more say in japan or here in the united states hmm. <laughs> well um i don't think you know i didn't feel discrimination in japan i think i was just rare you know something yeah. that 
different, you know? So everybody accepted me and I was very kind. And I, I would run through the airport sometimes, you know, on my trips. And another Japanese woman with a black child would run up to me and like, hey, look, she's just like you. Look, <laughs> yeah, they would be so excited. You know? um, so that made me feel good. Um, here in the States, you know, I mean, I went to Boulder, <laughs> Colorado. So there's yeah. definitely you know, situations where, um, you know, people can get a little mean and ugly. Um, but I've never let that stop me from, you know, doing what I need to do people, you know, people are people. You just kind of roll with it. All right, Robbie, you want to continue? No, I, I will turn it over to Johnny let her get a couple of questions in here. Okay. So my question was, is there a specific moment that you remember from either the 96 or the 2000 Olympic Games? A specific moment. Yeah. So 1996, um, obviously that was my first Olympic game. I was a senior in high school, a senior in college coming out. So that was, you know, pretty much my very first international competition and probably the best shape I had been in, um, in my whole collegiate career. You know, I had a good, uh, college finish at the NCAAs and, um, ran well and felt great. Um, so what happens is you're at a warm up facility, uh, warming up for your event and then you, take a little shuttle over and then they have these like corrals before your race. So you go through your shoe check and your uniform check. And um, so by the time you get through all of that and then you get escorted out to the main stadium where there's hundred thousand people, you know, it's like, you can hear the noise, you know, (laughs) my heart was palpitating so fast. Like I was just, Oh my God, did I just step into? And in all of that, I could hear my mom. Ivan-chan, Ivan-chan. That's what Ivan oh, you know, oh, oh. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I ran like crap, but that was, I remember that to this day. And I finished my race and wow. tears just poured down, but it was a great experience. But to know that I can hear my mom in a crowd and she's this little itty bitty Japanese wow. lady. Um, it was cool. That, wow. That you could, really heard her. That's amazing. I thought wow. you meant like you heard her in your mind. No, you heard her. Oh, voice. no, no, no. Like I heard her screaming my name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where she was, but I heard her. That's so sweet. <laughs> so, yeah, that is very And how did that experience differ? How did the 96 experience differ from 2000 Sydney? So Sydney, you know, gave me about four more years of experience and, you know, competing um, against some of these you know, top ranks people. It's it's different, you know, competing in college and um, then going off and traveling around the world and, and, you know, flying 12, 15 hours for a 13 second race to come back <laughs> um, yeah. kind of teaches you some things. Um, so it gave me a little bit of experience in that realm. I had some training partners um, then to kind of help push me in the space. So I, I made it three out of the four rounds in Sydney. I um, didn't make the finals, but I felt good. I think at that time there was a lot of, you know, just other stuff going on in the Olympics as, as always, there's always some kind of drama. So, you know, I was just in my own space. I, I didn't let all the other stuff affect what I was trying to do. So I had fun. It was, yeah. it was a cool trip. So I kind yeah. of have a follow-up question here, okay, just because you touch based on, you know, hearing your mom in a group of a hundred thousand voices. So that's a hundred thousand fans versus an empty stadium. What is, what is the impact on the athletes? I'm thinking, you know, like the track and field runners where it's very individualistic, where you feed off that energy, not a team sport where you're drowned out and you can't communicate, but when you're actually pushed on, egged on by that. So talk to me about this. 
Absolutely. You know, and I, I, I think about that all the time, looking at these empty uh, arenas, watching the Olympic Games. And, um, you know, th- for those of you who know track and field, not many people go to track and field meets here anyways. So. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, these athletes are just phenomenal. They train under all those these conditions and they can compete at high levels, regardless if there's nobody in the stands or not, you know, and so. I think they've prepared this, yeah. themselves for that. They've had, you know, plenty of opportunities, um, you know, in the meets that we host here in the United States and, and around the country that, and around the world for that matter. But there is not that many fans, you know, different countries have different fan bases for each sport. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for, you know, for exa- uh, for the energy part of it, um, I think it's not holding them back as, as much as people would think, you know, I think it, sometimes to some degree, it might be a little more relaxing and to be, you know, kind of normal <laughs> and not have those yeah. moments where I'm like, ah, and hear my mom, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. All right, so yeah. I, I was on your social media, and I found this image of you with Florence Griffith Joyner. Lojo. Now, oh, I assume my. this picture might have been taken what, around the 96 games. Was it around the 96? Yeah, 1996. Yeah. So, so that was like two years before her untimely death. So what was yeah, it like meeting her and having met her? Um, what do you think about uh, this new Flojo biopic that's starring Tiffany Haddish? Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. So, yeah, meeting her and seeing her is just like, like, just the universe just opened. She's so gorgeous wow. and so talented and just, oh, my gosh, it just gave me goosebumps to to meet her and be able to have this picture with her and, and, um, Al, of course, <laughs> Al Joyner, who I still know very well. Um, but yeah, it just, she's such a icon in the sport and to see her record, you know, her Olympic record go down the other day was amazing was too. Crazy. By the yeah. That was amazing. Um, but she's just, you know, her daughter actually lives here in Vegas too. So, <laughs> um, wow. She's just, just an icon in the sport and just to be able to have that, uh, Odo, I just, I feel privileged and honored. Um, and then what was your second part of that question? So what do you think about this new biopic by <laughs> oh, Tiffany yeah. Haddish? We had it as a topic on our, one of our shows. So I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, it's, it's about time. You know, I think I, I would love to see her story. I think Tiffany would be a great uh, person to, I do to role too. model. I do too. You know, um, I don't know her track background, but. I, she's oh, a <laughs> 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 she's an actress, so she can she can fake it, you know. Um, right. So <laughs> I think telling her story uh, will be, you know, phenomenal, and and to see that happen, and uh, to see Tiffany's talents, you know, she's she's such a diverse actress, and to put another layer on on top of that, I think it would be phenomenal for her, and I think we'll everybody will be surprised. So if there's haters out there, watch her. She's she's gonna. Okay. <laughs> I just want to point out a comment online before we go to Lizzie. <laughs> well, I was just putting my hand up as a as a Haddish hater, but she's okay. like, oh, really? hater. <laughs> yeah, Fred, Fred Hargrove says she is, I'm but hopeful. she's training. I am hopeful it's going to be. She is training. She lost a ton of weight, they said. So. Yeah, but, she did uh, lose a lot of weight. But Mike Winter says, I cannot okay. unsee the lifted dude behind y'all. <laughs> 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 I, he always I noticed like, him too he when I saw the picture. He didn't know who was sitting in front of him. He he had no clue that they were sitting there. So he's just like trying to look at our our tags to see well who is this person. So he didn't even know who Jojo was. Apparently, I guess. does look lifted. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> real quick, I want to I want to get Lizzie in for another question. But uh, with Rakari Richard with Shakari Richardson out, who are the people we should be watching this year? 
Well, obviously, the three Jamaicans did just killed it. Yeah, you know, uh, there's so much new talent. Uh, you know, I was at the NCAA championships um, as my last collegiate coaching, um, you know, to do, I guess, and just watch the phenomenal college athletes that are coming out of the college. They're so young and so, you know, so much talent ahead of them. And um, I'm excited to see, you know, what they bring moving forward, you know, with Kari not being there this year, obviously that speak with Jamaica was inevitable. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, she's going to be back and I think, you know, even better and hopefully she learned from the experience. But, you know, the Jamaicans are killing it and I'm going to have to just give yes. props to my other half of me. Uh, you know, my <laughs> 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 well, Lizzie, yeah. did you have any final questions? Just in terms of the actual games in Tokyo, so it sounds like you've been watching um, some of the Olympics over the past week or so. What What is your impression of all of the stories that are coming out, particularly one that the game should have been postponed for another year, two with all of the controversies in terms of um, doping and cheating, or even Simone Biles and the pressure that she said, you know, she felt that forced her to take some time to um, be in tune with herself and step away from competing. What is your impression? Like, one, would you have gone? Would you have gone, do you think, to the Tokyo Games Um, this year? Yeah, I actually had tickets. I was going to take my sons last year and had um, purchased flights and all that stuff. And obviously that got canceled. And contemplated going back this year again, but decided, you know, it was just too much. Um, I'm glad they pushed forward with it. You know, I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of weary that it went on. Um, I'm glad, you know, athletes and I, I you got to balance health, you know, national, international health and wellness and, and then what these athletes go through. So it's kind of, you know, it's a hard choice, but um, as a former athlete, I know what they put their bodies to, you know, and to go four years for a goal and then have it be pushed back another year and then potentially another year. It, it just, it's, it's difficult, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that. Um, so I'm glad they went on with it. I'm glad that they decided to not have um, spectators. I hope that they're being safe over there and taking every precaution. I think, um, you know, more people just got to get vaccinated. I know that's not a cure-all for what's going on, but at least it'll help um, in mm-hmm. some degree. Um, you know, so, you know, everybody has to just do their small part, you know, don't have yeah. large gatherings and parties and hanging out and, and keep putting yourself at risk, you know, to potentially pass it on to another person who's an athlete. You know, I was at the college meet and, you know, we would find out about one person that affected, you know, their, their group that, you know, now 10 people can't go because one person decided to, to do something they weren't supposed to do. So it just takes, you know, one choice and, you know, people work very hard for this moment. So don't sacrifice, you know, don't take any chances, you know, but I'm, I'm glad they went on. And then to the Simone Biles, you know, conversation, I'm disappointed in a lot of the, you know, comments that people have, you know, for some, multiple of these athletes, Simone and Naomi and, you know, that they've failed the country and all that, you know, that's, it's, it's disappointing to see people who never competed at that level and know the sacrifice. Simone has nothing to apologize for. You know, she has no. been yeah. the top, top um, and to yeah. do what she done with her body and potentially get hurt by it. She made a great decision to pull out because that's life or death. You know, somebody mm-hmm. sitting yeah. on the couch watching them has no right to have an opinion. <laughs> About, about that. 
So, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're definitely out of time, but I, I wanted to, because you brought that up. So when we're talking mental health, health of athletes, um, I, I, I would I, I think that a lot of athletes deal with mental health issues, struggling with the pressures of their sport. Um, is this, do you think this is going to be something that's going to be on, you know, like for the future, people are going to, athletes are going to probably feel more comfortable to pull out, take care of their mental health, just like they do is when they have a physical injury. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a different era. You know, I competed 20 some odd years ago and things are different. Everything is social media driven, you know, pressure now is instant. You know, you can see how many people like you see how many people make comments mm-hmm. about you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that they're absorbing that a hundred thousand times faster than we used to. Cause no, I couldn't look online and see my phone and see who likes me or not. <laughs> I didn't well, care. You know? criticism immediately. Yeah. yeah. It's immediate. Okay. So, you know, uh, understand that dynamic and have, you know, people be aware of that and know that people, these athletes, you know, are under so much pressure as it is physically and to multiply that by, you know, public pressure and public scrutiny, it's, it's a lot. So I think mental health is going to be on the forefront of a lot of things as it should be. And um, people got to take care of their wellness for sure. All right. Um, there are a couple of questions. There's a couple of comments. I just want to try to see if I can get through them quickly. So uh, Jack and Rob says people need to remind you that Angela Bassett had to train to play Tina Turner. Right. Um, I hope we are not comparing Angela Bassett's acting chops <laughs> to Tiffany Haddish. Like, let's, let's I mean, not do that, that here. But, but, let's not do that here. Listen, I don't know why you don't like Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, but I think she'll do. I think she'll do pretty well. <laughs> I hope she does. Listen, even though I was not a track athlete, and I've mentioned before, you know, Flojo basically saved my life, and that's for another conversation. But I'm a huge Flojo fan, huge. Which is why I'm excited so to see the I story want, at all. I want, I want this story to come out, and I want it to be good. So I'm, I'm hoping that you know Tiffany brings it. I she would not have been my first choice, but I hope she brings it. I, I hope she brings it. Oh yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Quick question from Mike Winter. He says, "Ask to pick. Ask her to pick." The four by one hundred and the four by four hundred teams. If you were in charge, oh wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, would know. I, um, I would just, I just, oh my goodness, for four hundred, I'll go four by four because four by one is kind of eh, iffy right now. Um, I would say Mu Ating is the eight hundred meter. Um, Sydney. McLaughlin, who's the 400 hurdler. Um, I can't think of names. I'm, I'm causing a brain fart right now. Yeah, those are... Yeah, I'm, I'm trying... <laughs> I know I mean, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, you'd have to pull that off yeah, the yeah, top yeah. of your head. Yeah, the U.S. 4x4 team is going to kill it. So I... I, I 4 by one I think we're going to... Oh, yeah. Uh, Allison Felix. Why am I forgetting Allison? Of course, oh, she's on yes, there. <laughs> yes. Allison Felix. And yeah, her story is phenomenal, too. Um, yes, yeah, it is. She, yeah. It, so, yeah, she's definitely... Despite everybody's criticisms, or, or not criticism, but her, her plight in her motherhood now, she's going to she's gonna be a strong leg on that team, as always. So I wish her 100% well. So that's three. Um Who's the fourth one? I can't even think of the names right now. I'm oh, having wait. a brain fart. Oh, wait. oh yeah, no, they'll blue <laughs> terribly if I wasn't. <laughs> 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 terribly. 
<laughs> I might pull a hamstring the first 10 meters. <laughs> For sure. Um, I'm trying to think of That's all right. Well, yeah. th- if you think of it before we close out, you just name yeah, the yeah, fourth sure. person. Um, and so, really, I uh, just want to point out, Jacqueline Rom says, the issue with Simone Biles reminds me so much of the pressure that gymnast Kim Zemesco faced years ago because she got off to a rocket start in the yes. Olympics. There were denun- yes. And there were denunciations from the floor of Congress of her. Um, and then Darian Winter says, Simone and Naomi should not apologize. We do not hear how white athletes have suffered from mental health issues as well. So, all right, that's all the, the comments we have time for. Um, so, Yvonne, um, I want to thank you for joining us, but I do want to give you, uh, a, you know, any last words, a moment for any last words, or tell people where they can find you online, on social media, et cetera. So I'll turn it over to you. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. I'm excited to see the rest of these Olympic Games and see the phenomenal athletes that around the world compete under these um, circumstances. You know, it's it's been a crappy couple of years, and to see people, you know, just lift themselves up and evolve in such a way is just phenomenal. And I wish everybody well and stay healthy and stay blessed. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook still, even though, you know, I guess I somebody told me that was for old people. <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> Which is why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and any shout outs you want to give? Any shout outs you want to throw out there? Shout out to my husband, Coach Larry Wade. Um, he, he was my assistant coach at UNLV for a very long time, and he was a hurdler at Texas A&M. And um, he uh, also strength and conditioning coach for a lot of boxers. And he's going to be speaking in Chicago this weekend at the OSP convention um, with Mike Tyson. So he's a phenomenal speaker, and I'm excited for him. So we're going to take a trip up to Chicago and, and let him do his thing. So I'm very proud of you, baby. Shout out right. to you. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll look to have you back at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Sounds good. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. Remix. Game show is what we're doing. What are we doing? Roll it all. Roll it all. All right. So, hey, she was great. She was fantastic. I enjoyed speaking. I love Yvonne. Speaking. That was really Yvonne's good. Good people. Right. good people. Good yes, people. she is. All right. Let's get into our host topics. If you've never been to TLS before, each week our hosts bring us headlines in the news they want to discuss. That host will tell everybody what's going on. Then our lovely panel will chat about it, sharing their unique points of view on the issue until we see our friend Jinji. And then we'll know time is up. And that's when we're going to hear from you and take your online questions and comments. At the very end, we'll check with the panel to see if they think it was truth, lies, or shenanigans. For our listeners on Apple Podcasts, don't forget, you can feel free to join in the conversation live every Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We stream on all major platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Find us at TLS Live Show or TLSShow.com. So let's get to it. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, today we're starting with Gianni Storm. So Disney wasn't so magical for a few of their stars. Gianni, tell us what's going on. So the Black Widow has a new enemy, and that is Walt Disney Company. So (laughs) Scarlett Johansson, the actress, is the star of the latest movie, Black Widow. Um, She filed a lawsuit last Thursday in L.A. against 
Disney. No, Gingy, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Against Disney. (laughs) And um, Scarlett Johansson's alleging that Disney breached their contract with her. So Johansson said in the suit that her agreement with Disney's entertainment guaranteed an exclusive theatrical release and her salary was based in large part of um, the box office performance of the film. So the suit stated that Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach of the agreement without any justification in order to prevent Scarlett Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her, like the bargain. Um, so this year, Disney has also released a number of movies, both in theaters and on Disney Plus during the COVID-19 pandemic, including Cruella, which was starring Emma Stone. Um, so now Emma Stone is considering taking over. Um, well, she's considering also like suing. I don't wait, actually. Yeah, she's also considering yeah, she's suing cons- because of because of the breach of contract with Disney. So, yeah. Okay. So my question to the panel is, do you think Disney should pay these actors their money? What do you think? Do you think that there was a breach of contract or what are your thoughts? What do you think? Um, I'm not a lawyer. I haven't reviewed any of the documentation. (laughs) So whether there's a breach, I don't know. Um, But that being said, just because something is lawful, contractual, doesn't make it ethical. Uh, while we're seeing a surge in the variant numbers, it's just selfish and greedy. Um, and really, at this point, I don't want to see these actors get paid, so I will probably find a less than legitimate source for this content. Uh, there's a demographic that's willing to pay good money to watch a theatrical release from the comfort and safety of their own home. Um, mm-hmm. I really hope that future contracts from the media outlets will recognize this new reality and make it so that everyone gets paid their due. Everyone should get paid their due. Why? But I mean, they've already paid her $20 million for this role. And the I know that it alleges that she'll be out $50 million because of this Gee, change. That's a lot. Well, yeah, but you know what? I'm sorry. If you're making millions of dollars during a pandemic, while millions of Americans can't pay their rent, uh, I'm sorry. That's uh, I, it. Leaves a really sour taste in my mouth. It's um, and it it sucks when actors that you enjoy pull this kind of shit because they Liz, you're happy because I'm. I'm not happy no longer at all. Like, I'm, I'm not happy I'm, I'm at not, all. I mean, I'm, I'm not on, in the Scarlett Johansson side here. I'm on Scarlett Johansson side here. And, and, you know, where are the ethics with Disney? <laughs> you signed a contract with Scarlett Johansson. Her contract did not have a streaming clause in it. It had an exclusive theatrical release clause in it. And so you can't change. I hope you guys need to watch Judge Judy because she breaks this down <laughs> almost every show. You cannot change the terms of the contract in a verbal agreement. The only way you can do that is if you make a new contract. You can't just go and say, oh, after the fact. And Disney made a hundred, over a hundred million dollars off of the streaming from Disney Plus for, for not just for this movie, but for um, the, the, what do you call those things when you sign up? 
help me out here. My brain is fine. Subscriptions, right? They made a hundred million dollars off of that. And it's not just Scarlett Johansson. This first came up last year with Denzel Washington. Okay. And Warner brothers for the movie, the little things he was pissed because his contract was exclusive theatrical release for the first 90 days. And then all of a sudden, they decided they were going to release it in theaters. And then they were also going to stream it on HBO Max. He was pissed. And so after the fact, when he threatened to sue, they renegotiated his contract. Like, you can't just, I understand what you're saying about, okay, these, these, um, actors and actresses makes a lot of money, $20 million. And sorry, the $20 million, I'm going to be very careful here because I do work for Disney, but that was not in good faith that they released how much that she made for this movie just so they can throw stones at her after the fact. But the reality is how much did Disney make off of this movie? We're talking about Scarlett Johansson's, you know, takeaway from it. How much did this big movie company make from this? They made tons more. Than she did. The whole so point of her contract was a share of the revenue. And exactly. if you change the way the revenue is going to be made, then you need to change how you're sharing the revenue. And it mm-hmm. happened also, it was a topic of conversation with the second awful uh, Wonder Woman. With I, How do you say her name? Gal, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. However, she renegotiated. They renegotiated. So she got some of the back end from the streaming. Like all you have to do is work and be in good faith with your talent. And so now we yeah. see it's not just Scarlett Johansson. It's Emma Stone. It's all of these other actors who are looking and like, okay, all right. You know, because yeah, people are saying, well, I made XYZ for this. But how much did the studio make? Mm-hmm. We, we got to be fair Billion. here. We got to be fair about this here. And, you know, yeah, it's a pandemic and people aren't paying, you know, able to pay their rent. That shouldn't even be a part of the conversation because those people might not be going to the movies anyway. Like we're talking about two totally different things here. So, yes, I and, you know, far be it from me because I'm not a Scarlett Johansson fan, but I'm with her on this. Like, don't fuck with my money. Don't fuck with my money. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, I mean, if you if you change the terms of the contract, if you change the terms of your agreement, then you have to, you know, change what you're what you're giving your your, especially your top tier people. I mean, you you know, Charlotte Johansson being the Black Widow, shoot, I'm sure she took twenty million because she knew she was going to get a share of the revenue, right? So so, so you well, take a little bit less money, knowing that you're going to get some additional residuals on the back end. So when they put exactly. out this twenty million dollars, you know, yeah, that's a lot of money to us. But you know, she has an expectation of making fifty million, a hundred million from the movie because she put in a lot of extra work. You know, it's just like it's just like if you get a commission for something, or it, it, you know, you do a better job at it because you want to make sure that client is taken care of because they're going to, you know, they're going to come back. They're going to love you. They're and gonna... it was her breakout movie, like right. for, it's for another... the Marvel um, universe. I think it's Marvel universe, but so it was, it like, is, it's kind of MCU, a big deal. But this is the last, like, like this is her last portrayal of Black Widow. And if anything, she's cemented that it's going to be her last portrayal of Black Widow. She's aging out of the role. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, again, it's neither here nor there. The fact of the matter is the movie 
actually underperformed in the theaters. And you could make the argument that it it underperformed in the theaters because they decided to send it to streaming. And so, I mean, I know I didn't watch it because we didn't have it um, as a part of our TLS at the movies. But if we, if that was going to be a movie, (laughs) we would have all watched it without having to pay a dime outside of our subscription. So they they, uh, they actually charge extra for, for those movies. So they'll charge like, $30. $30. The thing 30 is, $30 might cover like $30 mm. might cover a whole family of like five or six or 10. And whereas if they went to the movies, they would have made, you know, $300 on that same movie. Sure. Uh, no, that same family, is, right? I, I, have, I have Disney Plus. And so I would not have had to pay any more to see the movie. Like I could yes, pull it up would. right now and watch it. No, I wouldn't. That's part of your contract that you have early access, but the rest of us yeah, who have a Disney Plus subscription, we have to pay an additional $35 for the first two months. So I pay my subscription, oh yeah, no. but if I want early access to this title, I, yeah, I have to pay $35. Neo has to yeah, pay that's, Oh, wow. That's, I mean, I could pull it up right now, and I haven't had to pay anything. It was the same with HBO mm-hmm. Max. Like, I get all movies yeah, HBO on HBO has a Max. Different, has a different, um, um, and and again, I, just I feel like why Disney, didn't Scarlett I know that? Oh, would you say, Gianni? I feel like why why wasn't that a possibility for Scarlett to know that streaming was an option? Like it's not the first time it's heard of. Like you mentioned, Denzel knew something about like that was a scenario. For no, him. Denzel knew after the fact. Denzel knew af- after they announced. Oh. That they were going okay. to send it to, they were going to do a double release, release it in the theaters, and then also stream it on the same day of release. It was the same with Scarlett. Like, she's thinking, this is my contract, exclusive theatrical release. Then they come out with this, oh, no, we're going to send it to Disney Plus or whatever. Total breach. Total yeah, I don't breach. have a problem then with them choosing yeah. to do streaming because of the pandemic. I don't have a problem with that. that is, that's fine with me. Right. I don't either. Right. It's just a matter of, okay, you have like, you know, you have that. contracts that say something different and you need to adjust You need as Disney and Disney. Mm-hmm. We talk about how much uh, we talk. We've, I know Lizzie already said it, but we talk about how much uh, Johansson made. Disney makes so much money between ABC, <laughs> Disney, the, uh, Marvel, the ESPN. I mean, they are like they can afford to They're pay cute. her what she's due. I mean, it's it's almost like stealing. <laughs> I mean, and and mm-hmm. honestly, if they had renegotiated, they probably would have had the upper hand in how much she would have gotten for streaming. True. Yep. Mm-hmm. Versus now possibly True. leaving that up yeah. to a judge. Mm-hmm. You know, so they might have shot themselves in the foot. But no, I'm I'm all for streaming on the day of release. Listen, we possibly for our Me next too. movie might be watching Candyman. And I think all of us were kind of annoyed that it's not going to be on a stream, that we might have to leave our houses and go to the theater yeah. to watch that movie in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> Rob said no. I'm all for streaming. <laughs> I'm all for streaming, but I don't like when companies, when big conglomerates try to get over on their employees, regardless of how much the employee is making. Um, I, I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. All right. Let's okay. get to some, let's get to some of these comments online as Gingy's about to come right on in. Um, Again? Like, yeah, like the third <laughs> time, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, Daria Winter, not to line your pockets, greed prevails throughout this nation. This is from Daria Winter. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike mm-hmm. Winter points out, I also have Disney Plus, and it's $30 more. Um, Maybe it's because I'm an employee. I ain't got to pay nothing. So, uh, Mike Winter <laughs> suggests you <laughs> should take a look at her contract to see if it contains the pandemic stuff. Um, I mean, if it does, then... And that's that, that's on her. Uh, right. on- well, definitely Denzel's contract did not contain anything about um, any more, any clause about the pandemic or streaming. So that's why after the fact, when he threatened, they renegotiated. Um, Scarlett's lawyer is saying it did not contain any type of streaming clause. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens on that. Michelle end. Earl says uh, Disney's to pay up, take it out of Mickey's salary. <laughs> What's up, Shelly? What's up, Shelly? Uh, given the classes again, Jackson Robinson, given the climate we've been in, lawyers and agents need to ensure that their clients' contracts are fluid enough to consider the gross receipts from streaming. And, and that's something yeah. that should be considered going forward as well. And also, yeah, she's a should. CAA client. She's a CAA client, which is one of the biggest entertainment agencies. So the last thing Disney wants to do is piss off these agencies. That's the last <laughs> thing they want to do. Yeah. All right. So what do we think about uh, Disney getting sued? Truth, lies, or shenanigans? Shenanigans, shenanigans all around. <laughs> Truth, yeah. they, need well, to be, think, they need to be sued. I think it's true. Truth, they need to be sued. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Come yes. on, y'all. Y'all got me agreeing with Neo up here. Let's I know. What's up with that? That's something wrong here. <laughs> I know. This is amazing. <laughs> All right, Robbie. You have a fertility doctor using his own sperm. What's going on out there, Canada? Well, let me tell you, buddy. So Norman Barwin is a disgraced Ottawa fertility doctor who has agreed to pay a $13 million settlement with families, including... 17 Barwin babies. Um, so of that 13 million, 75K has actually been set aside for a DNA database to help children identify their biological fathers. So the parents that you see there are Davina and Dan Dixon. They are named as lead plaintiffs on the class action lawsuit against Dr. Barwin. So the claim is that Dr. Barwin used the wrong sperm or even his own sperm in the conception of at least 100 children. A hundred children. So the class action has grown to over 226 members, um, including former patients, children conceived through artificial insemination. And really, I have to put it out there. This was not the first story like this. So why do people keep spending tens of thousands of dollars for a baby when there's so many children deserving of families waiting to be adopted? All together now, panel. Because they want babies. I'm not sure what the adoption procedures are in Canada, but it's not just easy. It's not easy to get up and go and adopt a child. It's very very difficult. It's very costly. And then you have to deal with the ramifications of when do you tell your child that he or she was adopted? Do they want to leave your family and jump over to the biological parents' family? Like, there's a lot that goes into that. And I don't fault anyone who wants to have a child that is a part of their biological DNA. There's some women who want to be pregnant, me not being one of them at this late stage in my, my life, but I understand it. 
I understand it. So I, I don't, you know, knock anyone who is doing this. All of the onus, all of the shame should be put on this doctor. Um, because one, it's unethical. Okay. It's yeah. definitely unethical. In some states, it's against the law. It's been be. um, the subject of at least two Law and Order episodes. At okay. least two. <laughs> um, so it's I, I put all of the blame on him, and I don't think thirteen million dollars is enough. I don't think so. Either. Like he yeah. should be sent into immediately ba- immediately. Because they only stay split. It's a class action lawsuit, so they're yeah. splitting thirteen million dollars. <laughs> no. Like no. Each after they pay no. their lawyers and everything. Um, yeah, after, yeah, after you pay lawyers. Yeah. I, I said like twenty five to forty thousand each to each like do? child. I know, right? I mean, twenty five. It's not like these parents can now go and have more children or have children of their own because now they still, you know, I don't know. I, I agree. I, I think because I, you know, I want children, and and you know, if if it's, I, I certainly would prefer my own DNA. But I'm with you, Robbie, in the sense that if it can't be, I'm absolutely adopting. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's it's not going to be a one or the other, but I, certainly it's reasonable to want to try to have your own child with your own, I mean, biology. I, I don't think that's unreasonable for anyone since it's possible, you know, if it's possible, why not? Why not do it? Um, and it, it does cost a lot of money, yes, but at the same time, you know, it can be worth it to a lot of people. Plus. You know, like I said, I, I'd adopt. I, I'd adopt if if I can't. If for some reason I would adopt it, too. it doesn't happen or I can't, yeah, adoption is still an option. It doesn't but eliminate the, the option for adoption. It just means that hey, mate, and I can do both. Shoot, I can have my own child there using fertility. I wouldn't do both and adopt. There, there are people that have done both. Yeah. There are people that have mm-hmm. done both. Um, so I don't think know. it should be. Certainly should. I mean, yeah, we got crazy people who do stupid stuff like this and. Yeah, you, you never know. Yeah, what? You never know what you're getting sometimes because you can't sit right. there and overlook their shoulder while they're you know inseminating the sperm and all this other stuff. Yeah. You can never and know also, 100%. Then, and also, too, the, one of the things reasons why I say that he should be jailed because we don't know what type of vetting process this random, this, you know, um, ghost sperm has been through, especially if it's him. We don't know what type of diseases or yeah. what his pedigree, what his genealogy, you know, is. So it, it, mm-hmm. it's it's he should be jailed and he should have to um, he should be fined. The lawsuit should be a hundred million dollars. A hundred yeah. million dollars. Yeah, I think it should be somewhere point. around there. That's I mean, there is the thing about like if you do make it too much, then he can't. Pay, the insurance companies won't pay out and well, then mm-hmm. get nothing. What? I and I get that. <laughs> However, I want him to be crippled where he can barely yeah. breathe. I, I totally agree. That's just so, so why wouldn't the insurance companies pay anything? <laughs> I'm still stuck oh, on that. Wait, insurance... Why would they do that? Oh, because people, Girl. okay, so when you, when, you, when you get insurance, right? So, let's say you have a business and you get insurance. There's a maximum amount that you usually say, okay, I'm going to apply for $20 million in insurance coverage. Or I'm going to apply for $10 million in insurance coverage. And then that's yeah. the maximum benefit if something goes wrong or something bad goes wrong. An insurance company will pay out. The rest of it would have to come from the individual, the doctor. And so let's say it's $13 million, right? And his top benefit was $10 million. So the insurance company will pay $10 million 
he has to come up with another $3 million. Now, if you make it $100 million, an insurance company is still only paying $10 million, and he somehow has to come up with another $90 million, which he probably doesn't have, then the most they're going to get is a share of that $10 million from the insurance company because all he'll do is file for bankruptcy and have bankruptcy protection. But he'll probably do that in this particular case anyway. But in terms of insurance companies, just a quick thing, Gianni, like insurance companies are not your friends. Like if there's an opportunity for them to say, we're not going to pay you, (laughs) they're going to say, we're not going to pay you. They're going to keep it in litigation for years and years and years. Um, So yeah, never trust the insurance company. That's like bad mm-hmm. insurance companies or in general, like that's all insurance. Oh, that's insurance. Okay. <laughs> because think about it. They okay. wouldn't make any money. They themselves. wouldn't make any money if they had to continuously pay millions. And oh, millions pay out. And yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't make any money. Sure. So hey, I will say I've dealt yeah. with some insurance companies and some of them are better than others in terms of their payout. Um, some of them will try to, they do try to settle, but when you try to fight back, they do, they do get a little vicious. Um, well, I have I've dealt with some insurance companies that settled well, um, reasonably with me. So I learned right. something new. A bunch Thank of you, comments man. online on this one. So this was a popular one, uh, <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> All right, people. Uh, Olivia says because some people want biological children. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Fred Hargrove says it is a personal decision. Jacqueline Robinson says it's unethical, and on a shallow <laughs> note. He's not that attractive. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, there's no yeah. telling what kind of genetic diseases he may have. Um, Fred Hargrove yeah. says, whose sperm do they think they're getting? Uh, did he provide fake profiles or something? That's another good question. I know. That's, That's another good then. question. Because in a yeah. lot of situations, you do pick which sperm you want to use. You pick from a True. profile. Um that it, it's assumed that that profile, that person has been vetted, even though you don't get that person's name. Um, so that's another variable iteration I mean, of this of this process. You can create any profile that you want. Okay, so hey, you know what? I want something, some from Lot XJV eight seven six, and that could be anybody. You have no idea. Buyer beware. You have no idea what you're actually getting. Because I mean, I you're have, not the one collecting, storing, and inseminating. That's, that's the that's, only person who but knows. That's the same as if I choose to go out and sleep with somebody at the bar and have a kid. But through this process, they're supposed to be vetted. That's the thing. Oh, that's yeah. the safety net that's supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, Olivia says uh, he should pay child support for all his babies. Then yeah. There you go. <laughs> Speak on it, Olivia. Speak on it. Yeah. Um, Dr. Robinson says exactly, Neil. The last thing you want is a defendant to clear bankruptcy, even if the insurance company pays the policy limit. Um, and then uh, Daria says, What is the Hippocratic oath uh, that he's to honor? He is a doctor. Now, Gianni, did you get yep. the comment on this one? I know we ran out of time quick. No. Go ahead. What, 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 what are your oh, thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I don't really know. I think that, I think that. I don't really know. I think that is insane. I I have heard a story like this before, though, um, like Rob said, but I don't think that this is something that can be that common. Um, And and like you guys said as well, I do. I would advocate for adoption, but I definitely think everybody has a right to uh, have their own type of children. I personally would want to adopt because I don't want to have any like 
pains, birth pains. So you you're not you're not up for children. You're ready you're ready to adopt right now. <laughs> yeah. Unless they can give me like some type of medicine to like I don't know, it's too, too painful. All right, panel, we call in uh, this uh, fertility doctor truth, lies or shenanigans. Lies is a liar. All right, good good topic. Shenanigans. All right, Lizzie. Michael Che is up to some his antics again. So what do we have going on? So I mentioned to most people who know me know that I really am not a big fan of comedians. And this is one of the examples why. Comedians tend to think that everything, there's a joke to be made about everything. (laughs) And I completely disagree with that. And so this young man, Michael Che, he is a comedian and one of the writers and um, anchors for Saturday Night Live. So this week he decided everyone knows about, hopefully everyone knows now about Simone Biles, um, the greatest female gymnast on the planet. She decided that she was going to pull out from the team competition this week and individual competitions this week in Tokyo because she said she was having um, some mental health issues and because she had what is called the twisties. The twisties, I guess, can be described something kind of like vertigo. Um, where once you get in the air, um, you, there's a sense of dizziness and you really have no bearing of where you are. And a lot of gymnasts have, you know, come out and said, I know exactly what she's talking about. So when she came out yeah. and said that, you know, she was going to um, withdraw from these the competition, um, Michael Che decided that he was, some people say allegedly, um, went on his social media platforms and he typed, Man, I want to make fun of Simone Biles. He said, I got like three minutes of Simone Biles jokes in my head. As the dorky kids say, I'm choosing violence. He went on (laughs) um, with this segment on his social media platform to allow people to write in or post on his page to at him their favorite Simone Bile jokes and he would rank them um, one out of 10. And so there was one that said something to the effect of, well, she's proof that black cracks because, you know, there's a joke that says black don't crack. And so he gave that particular joke a nine out of 10. But then there was also a joke that referenced her um, sexual abuse by former gymnastics um, physician Larry Nasser, and he gave that joke a nine out of ten as well. So my question so now he's receiving a lot of backlash um, from, of course, social media because social media will gather you up in two seconds. Yeah, they will. A lot of backlash from social media. A lot of backlash from people who are Michael Che fans, who are um, Saturday Night Live fans. It should be noted, however, that Saturday Night Live broadcasts on NBC. NBC has an exclusive contract with the Olympics, okay? So my question to the panel, what should the punishment be for Michael Che? Michael Che, who is saying that he was hacked, because that's what they all say after they get exposed and gather up, he's saying that he was hacked. He deleted 
all of the um I don't I can't remember if they were tweets. How long or, how long was I'm curious, how long were these uh comments going on, these ratings and stuff? Like a day um, or yeah. at least for a, a few hours. At least for a few hours. Because you know, there's some people who sit on social media on Twitter all day. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take long. If you post something stupid, it's gonna, you know, the turnaround is gonna be almost instantaneous. I will say knowing um, Michael Chase comedy, this doesn't surprise me. But he he defended it initially. <laughs> Which yeah, he's done in the past. He has, he has he posted um, offensive stuff. He offended. He defended it initially. Then he gave you know the bullshit mea culpa, which again was in a joke form. So as an employee of NBC, which has this exclusive contract with the Olympics, as a black man shaming a black woman publicly, as a human being, what do you guys think should be the punishment for Michael Che? I'll start. I'll go ahead and start. So, I mean, and I agree with the comment that Olivia just made. I think it should be investigated uh, before we start talking about punishing him and all that stuff. So NBC needs to make sure they, they find out if he was really hacked. Because if he's claiming it, he may have been hacked. How can you find that know. out? But I'm How with you. IT people. Easily. Yeah, you can I mean. Him. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I, I, know, his, I know his, um, I know his comedy, and it just doesn't, I, what he did, and the, even the way he worded it, sounds like Michael Chaitin. So, <laughs> I, I, I'd be surprised if he if it really wasn't him. I would be shocked. But with that being said, let me I, just say one of the reasons why I I honestly think that it was him. So I thought this was on Twitter, but this was on his Instagram story, right? And Instagram, if I and correct me if I'm wrong, you have the opportunity to. Um, design your Instagram background for your story, however you choose to. So it was quite funny that, you know, the actual jokes about Simone Biles that appeared on his Instagram story had the same background, the same design as the apology that he gave when he said that he was hacked. It was the exact same background. Mm. As far as punishment, I don't know. I'm a... I'm a little iffy on cancel culture towards comedians just because, and I get your affinity to dislike comedians, but part of what they are, what they do is be offensive. And that's part of a lot of their comedy. And that's the purpose. I mean, Dave Chappelle complains about it all the time and every special he's done, he's complained about this cancel culture and he's surprised that so many people have even survived. He said his audiences are getting rigid uh, and everything is now like, offensive to everyone he's like everything is offensive now and so it's mm-hmm. a challenging time for comedians um so i'm a little iffy on comedians I, i'm not saying they should get a pass but at the same time i don't know i don't know I, i'm i'm just the internet the social media has kind of changed the game a bit but unfortunately we don't have a lot of time so gianni and robbie i'm gonna let you guys get in gianni um I feel like cancel culture is going to do what they do. But if you put your opinions out there, then it is what it is. I, I, I love comedians, though. I think I think that my favorite comedian, Cat <clears throat> Williams, is very can be very disrespectful. But, <laughs> Did you say but can be? That, you should have just said Cat Williams is very disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. And I don't personally agree with homophobic um comedy or, or jokes or things like that or, or racist things like that. But you, 
I don't know. There's a time and a place. Like, read the room, Michael Chi Che. Read the room. Like, he could have done that. Probably. Um, I, I don't think that there should really be a punishment. And to quote Bull Burnham, when he was asked if certain subjects are ever off limits in comedy, his response was, not really. You just have to be a very good comedian to deal with it. In the same way that only an expert sushi chef can prepare puffer fish, relying on specialist tools and years of practice to remove the poisonous liver. And I think that <laughs> brilliant comedians are really good at dissecting things. There is humor to be found in every situation. There is that. No, there isn't. Everyone's got that little dark part of them. You laugh no, over the course isn't. of your lifetime. No, you've laughed isn't. at really inappropriate things. You absolutely I have. have. But that doesn't mean I've I should laughed have. at a funeral. That Even if it's days later. Or months later, that years mean I later, I've got long back and, dan- and laughed at like really that somber. Mean I should have. And let me tell you, there oh. are elements of people's. But lives. laughter can bring you out of funks. No, well. there, it can bring me out of funks very well. And that's you. But what I'm saying is, that you think Simone Biles is laughing that someone made fun of the fact that she was sexually abused mm-hmm. by her um, gymnastic no, doctor. Absolutely not. not. And so my thing is, we should not be giving people passes to be offensive, to be racist, to be misogynist, simply because there is a joke, a potential joke there. All right. So no, and I agree that 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 joke that was contributed about Nasser was completely taste tasteless, and it should have been removed. And that's the nature of social media. Yeah. So I mean, I definitely on that front, not everything that every comedian says is funny or appropriate. It's you're going to you're going to say shit that's going to get you in trouble. But in this instance, it could have been managed via social media where it's, you know, to put it out there, I'm thinking, you know, I've got three minutes of jokes. He never went on an attack, but then when people started submitting their stuff, right. yeah. Or he could have just said it to his own group. Yeah, he didn't he didn't people. have anything. Like, this wasn't something that he was being commissioned for or paid for. This wasn't part of a stand-up routine. This was on Instagram where he's like, I feel like I want to make fun of Simone Biles. Well, no one asked you to make fun of Simone Biles, especially since there's a certain (laughs) faction in this country that's already doing that, that doesn't look like you, bruh. And so now you're joining all of those other people who, again, don't look like you, making fun of this black woman who has come out in her most vulnerable state saying, F. I we got to we gotta cut it off. We got to cut it off. Okay. All right. So F from says, yes, it's one of the universal. Sh- I mean, Olivia says, um, well, sorry. <laughs> the comments just popped up. So Ephraim says, is perpen- person is innocent until proven guilty. Then Olivia says, yes, it's one of the universal human rights. Say it again. Innocent until proven guilty is only a Court matter of law. Of law. Thank that has you. nothing to do with mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree with that, 100%. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, it should be investigated first. Um, cancel it. Darian says cancel his contract, assuming it is true, of course. Neo. <laughs> uh, Mike Winner says if you can only be funny by being mean to people, then you kind of suck as a comedian, which goes to Robbie Ooh, Robbie's, Robbie's point, true. actually. That's um, kind of true. If you can only pick on people. Fred Hargrove said he should have thought this through better. Any backlash will drive the punishment. Uh, he will lose viewership. Um, oh, Jacqueline Robinson also says, let's talk about the attacks on black women. Yeah. 
That's a that's a whole another topic because <laughs> that is yeah, that's uh, another might be my topic. That's next a show. Week. Might be my topic next. Let's week. do it. Let's bring it. All <laughs> right. So, uh, truth, lies, shenanigans. What are we saying? This Bullshit. is definitely shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yeah. Shenanigans. Yeah. Shenanigans. All right. A whole bunch of shenanigans. And see, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even cut the brother down in my critique. You know, I could have gone in. You spared him. I could have gone in. (laughs) All right, let's get our game show in. All right, today we are playing Truth or Lie. And it's really, really simple. I'll ask each of you a question and you'll tell me if you think it's a truth or a lie. I'm starting with this one because your own one hasn't seen it yet, Lizzie. The blue whale is the longest animal in the world. Is this a truth or a lie? Truth. False. What? I believe it's a snake. I believe it's a snake. The longest animal in the world. I believe it's a certain snake. It's a giraffe. But no, that is incorrect, Lizzie. I forgot my... uh, But did it say what... what, It doesn't give me an answer, no. This game makes no sense if we can't if we can't get what the actual answer is. I know. There's no why would I believe There's an animal called the Siphonos Siphonos Siphonosaurus. Siphonophore. It's a 46 meter sea worm, if you will. A sea worm. Disgusting. Yeah. Aren't you glad you knew? Asked. <laughs> this, this one is for Gianni, who loves her uh, <laughs> astrology. If you cry in space, the tears just stick to your face. Truth or lie? False. This is true. <laughs> if you cry in space, because Why it freezes on contact. Freezes on. I thought it goes up. Like freezes. I thought the gravity, the lack. Of, okay, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna have to look that up. Robbie rocks. The largest cruise ship in the world can accommodate 15,300 people. Sure, that sounds good. <laughs> it's not so specific. <laughs> it's false. <laughs> what? You all got it wrong. Okay, let's go. Metrophobia is the phobia of poetry. Is this true or false? Metrophobia. Is it, right? Is metros like I'm sorry. I was I was reading about tears in space. <laughs> Metrophobia <laughs> is is it the phobia of poetry? Yes, yeah, true or false? Metrophobia. Metrophobia. I gotta look. It up. You can't look it up. I'm gonna, oh, you're not. I'm answering. gonna say oh. Gianni can look it up. Gianni yeah, can look Gianni it up. can. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say false. That is true. <laughs> Metrophobia, the fear of poetry. All right, next. Who has that? Jesus Christ died at age 32. Is this true or false? Johnny Storm. According to what they teach us. Yes, that's true. I think. This is false. (laughs) Robbie Rock. They lied. (laughs) Truth or lie, sunbathing increases men's sexual appetite. This is a solar panel that I'm recharging. You got a solar hand. It's a solar panel. All right. Is that true? Yeah. It is no. true. That's the first true answer. All right, last round, last round. Oh, gosh. Lizzie, the taste of semen depends on the person's diet. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Next question. Can you, oh, yeah. 
Make a guess. Is it true or false? Next <laughs> question. We'll say true. That is true, by the way. Oh, so you've tasted semen? I'm just, no, just the answer to the question. I <laughs> you tell it on yourself today. <laughs> I don't know. If asparagus makes my pee taste, my pee taste, my pee smell funny. Yeah. That's true. That All right, Lizzie, sense. I'll give you this one. Brown men are statistically much more unfaithful than blonde men. What? I don't know where this is coming from. This is an app. Hair color? This is not me writing these. First of all, you can, you can be brown and blonde. First of all, you can oh, be true. brown huh? and blonde. That's a good point. Um, but I'm going to say this is false. Yes, it's definitely false. All right. Robbie Rock. Oh, well, let me do Gianni Storm first. The shortest war in history lasted 45 minutes. That's a lie. False. I mean, false. It is true. <laughs> All right, Robbie Rock, this could be for the I win. I say that depends on what we're calling a war. What, what are we calling a war? <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's another right. good point. All right. 28% of women have experienced orgasms when watching TV commercials. That's a huge percentage. What are they? What, but what are they doing while they're watching the commercial? <laughs> There's no context. <laughs> Is this uh, truth or a lie? Uh, I'm what kind of commercial? I've watched a lot of TV with women. That's false. That, that is correct. Been. That means Rob B wins another game in a row. This is a bullshit game. Bullshit <laughs> game. And tears are not freezing in space. The reason why tears are not going all over the place because of gravity in space has nothing to do with them freezing. Now, metrophobia is something that I learned today. That was true. Okay. That is the fear. That of was poetry. that's real. That's so weird. And the siphon siphonal four. Forty-six meter sea worm. Terry Winter says the fear of DC Metro. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> the fear of the red line, line York, is Jacqueline New Robinson. New York said. Metro. New York Metro. Fear <laughs> of the A train in New York. <laughs> that Z, Z, right. on Z said y'all y'all still cheating at TLS, huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right, let's get in some shot. All right, let's start off with let's start off with uh, Robbie Rock today. Oh well, well I'm going to give a shout out to everyone who might be feeling the effects of prolonged social isolation due to COVID. Stay connected, however you can. Keep masking up because the number of variant cases is on the rise. All right, Lizzie. In that same vein, I'm going to give a shout out to all you Bamas out here who have forced Washington, D.C. to go back under mass protocols. Do what you're supposed to do. Get vaccinated, socially distance properly, and wear your mask. We are about to be locked down again, folks. CDC I don't think any- Yeah. Y'all are taking this seriously. We are about to be locked down again. Do what you need to do and stay the F out of my face. (laughs) Regardless. Regardless. Shout out. Um, Shout out to all of the people with metrophobia. That's very interesting. (laughs) I don't believe, I don't feel like it doesn't exist. That's not that's not a real thing. Okay, that's weird. I'm but, an English um, major no, and an English guys. professor. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of See? that. Who's scared of poetry? What? <laughs> All right. Exist. All right. My shout out is to my beautiful, beautiful wife. Tomorrow's our six year anniversary. It's been a whirlwind six years, but I have to say, I'm so happy that I was finally able to find the love of my life. And thank you, Mel, for saying mm-hmm. yes. 
six years and a month ago. Appreciate you. That's a our long fi- time. Our final shout out goes to our pet shenanigans winner. And that's Floor Aww. Vanessa Leal posted Aww. her beautiful kitties with the caption. What? Hello from my boys. My hello from my boys in Texas. And they got How cute. They, they have cool cute. markings. Wow. They are they're cute. unique. To see all of our beautiful pets or to post your favorite pets photo, please make sure you join the TLS Pet Shenanigans Facebook group. The photo with the most likes and comments gets a TLS shout out each and every week. And that is officially all of the time we have for our show today. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. We hope that maybe you learned something, gained a new perspective, or even got some things off your chest. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and share. Tomorrow, check out YouTube for our clips, tlsshow.com. And our next TLS Live show is on Sunday, August 8th, where we'll have another Olympian just in time for the closing ceremonies. Before swimmer Simone Manuel, there was Maritza McClendon, who was the first female African-American swimmer in the United swimmer for the United States to win an Olympic medal and the first black American swimmer to set both an American and world record for swimming. She'll be joining us next week, live 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific. And don't forget this Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Gianni Storm and Olivia E. will be going unscripted once again. And our winner for our final thought is once again, Rob B. My final thought is to just share with everyone how hard this entire TLS team worked for you week in, week out. I have so much respect for everyone that works behind the scenes that helps prop up the team and to all of our super fans that support us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. It's greatly appreciated. I'd like to thank Olympian Yvonne Wade for joining us. Thank you, Thank Gianni. You, Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Vaughn. Josie and Olivia. And most importantly, I want to thank you, our audience, for joining us. And we will see you next time. Shenanigans. Shenanigans.